Good evening and welcome once again to Dudemus Maximus Helps. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about how caretakers have bigger heart genes than the rest of us. Uh, a lot of people don't have the gumption that it takes to be a caretaker. You have to really be focused and uh, appreciative of the person that you're caretaking for. And uh, if you're one of those people who likes to caretake, or I wouldn't say likes to caretake, I'm, what I'm saying is that has to caretake to make sure that somebody gets better treatment, then that's what you want to be. I mean, just go ahead and caretake for that person. I mean, they need help. And I am here to help you as a caretaker. I'm going to explain certain things that uh, happened when I'm, my caretaking was happening, and I'm also going to explain other things that uh, happened during doctor's visits. And today is one of those days. Today is story time. Um, I'm going to talk about a time in 2015 when Terry had to go have a right heart cath. Um, she had that pulmonary arterial hypertension, which I need to correct because earlier in a couple episodes ago, I said it was the vein that runs between your heart and your lungs. There is not a vein that runs between your heart and your lungs that I know of. It's the artery that runs between your heart and your lungs. It's a... Uh, it's a bigger than a vein. And anyway, the pulmonary arterial hypertension had the swelling on the inside and the outside of that particular artery. And that she had to take two specialty medications every day. Uh, one was a couple times a day in order to get the swelling to go down. And it worked for nine years. But uh, every so often she had to go and have the pressures in her heart tested, which in 2009, they, test, they tried to put they did went through the groin and went up into the uh, heart and tried to put the sensor in there, the needle, and it wouldn't go because the pressure was too high. It bent the needle and it wouldn't go in the uh, heart. So that was the whole beginning of this mess. In 2015, we had already been going through it for six years. And it turns out that the medicines they given her was working but they had a new procedure now that went through her neck and she had a new uh, pulmonary doctor and he was a specialist and he was a good guy. Uh, we both liked him except for when Tara was angry. She didn't like him then, but we had to uh, endure this kind of thing. And it was she, this particular day in 2015, she did not want to show up early. It pissed her off that she had to get up early. And I tried to tell her, just let me help you put on some comfortable clothes. And she didn't want that. Um, she, she just didn't, she wasn't into the whole vibe of doing this test. And when we got there, we had to fill out the paperwork. Or I say we, I had to fill out the paperwork. And I already had uh, memory for this type of stuff in order to be able to fill out all the boxes properly in her doctor do this. We had been dealing with him for already over a year. He was our new pulmonologist that came aboard in, I think, 2014. He was a great guy, and he was tolerant of Terry. Terry was, Terry was a terror. We didn't fight the fact of that. We just knew, we accepted it, all of us, and said that let's just move forward and try and make her happy. And it was difficult to make her happy, especially when she had to go in for a test at five in the morning. And then the journey from outside the city into the city was made us leaving at like 4.15. And she didn't want to get up. She didn't feel good. I don't blame her. We get to the hospital and she is raising hell the whole time. I don't mean raising hell. I mean she is being 
a terror. And at the end of all this, they finally get her and they get her to take the uh, sedative. And then, you know, they give her the shot and they put her out and they go through her jugular vein. But when she wakes up and it's time to pull out the stent from the jugular vein and then uh, first the uh, camera and the needle and then the stent from the jugular vein, she's ready to punch. And I had to step in between her and her doctor in order to get that to stop. She, she just got so, how can I say this? left of center that it pissed her up and she did not want this test and did not make it happen and all that. Well, the nurse for the doctor was kind enough. She said, at least let me get you breakfast. Cause it was like, uh, eight o'clock at this time or maybe shortly after eight. And <laughs> I said, I'll take breakfast. I love breakfast. I am not going to turn down a good breakfast. And particularly the hospital that we're at actually had good food. They hired a gentleman who was good in the kitchen, but my wife, even though she enjoyed the food would still down with, she would be pissed off and say that I can't believe we have to eat here and stuff like that. And there was nothing against the guys cooking because while she was eating, she'd be like, this is really good. So you have to be particularly careful when you're a caretaker, as far as taking care of somebody who gets a little agitated, even over the things she that they like. It's not an easy job. You have an extra heart gene that has makes your heart a little bit bigger where you have enough compassion in order to take care of somebody like that. You should be commendated. Uh, you know, or you should make sure that you're praised because uh, people like you are rare. I mean, if you look at the general population, most of them would not even give two looks at somebody who needed help and caretaking. And once again, this is why I'm here on this podcast, because I want to make sure that caretakers like you and people who give a damn, they make the difference in the world for people who actually need caretaking. And there, those people are out there. Some people may not have a, uh, encountered them yet, but the rest of us, we, we, you know who you are and we all know who we are and we have that extra gene and we're able to take the initiative to make sure that somebody is okay. Um, it's not easy. So then going back to the story, they went ahead and offered breakfast because Terry was raising so much hell. And I said, well, let's go get breakfast before we leave because she was finally able to be released. And she was like, hell no, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and leave right now. And I want to make sure that, uh, we get out of here because I'm ready to go home and see my dogs. That was always her big excuse. She always wanted to go home and see her dogs, which I, we still have, I still have today. I mean, they're, they're the coolest puppies that, of, that there ever was, but they're spoiled and they've been taken care of all their lives. It's not nothing new. Uh, but she, that was her excuse. She would always say, I need to get home and see my dogs. And the doctors always fell for, it for some reason. I would always go in early and talk to the doctor if I could, or after, you know, I'd make sure the nurse pushed her to the checkout and then I would come right up behind, but I would always pull the doctor aside. Even after he left the room, I would go find him and say, Hey, you know, thank you. And I appreciate what you're doing for my wife. She doesn't seem like she appreciates today, but she doesn't feel well. And a lot of times when she didn't feel well, it came across the fact that she didn't appreciate it. And that was not it at all. I mean, she was glad to be alive, but she just didn't know how to uh, deal with the things that were happening to her because there were so many things, which is good to have a caretaker who's also an advocate because you have access to the doctors like that 
there were several hospital visits that after the doctor left the room and went back to the nurse's station and then to their little doctor area, I went back there and consulted with them because I wasn't done yet. I had not had all my questions answered and I felt like, you know, I, I still need more answers. So better listen to what I'm saying because I'm coming back here to your area. You were in my area earlier and left abruptly like you had like several other patients to take care of and I wasn't done yet. So don't be afraid to do those kind of things as a caretaker. Go down there to the nurse's station, talk to the head nurse, find out who the head nurse is. Make sure they know who you are, what you're doing, and what's happening. You know, make sure the doctor knows that. Make it's imperative for them to know that because you have an extra gene in your heart, your heart is a little bit bigger and you're a caretaker, that you have the ability to come and talk to them like that. It's very important. Um, I used to shock a lot of people and it wasn't because I was going over there trying to like do something rude or prank somebody or anything like that. It was because I wasn't done yet. I want to make sure I got my fair shake and that all my questions were answered. As a caretaker, you have to have knowledge. You have to have a knowledge base that when you walk into a doctor's office or if you have to go to the hospital or if something happens and the ambulance has to come to you, you have to have a knowledge base in order for you to explain to them and make sure that they know what the condition is. Because if they don't, how are they going to know how to treat them? You, as the caretaker, have to be the most important piece in that missing puzzle. You have to say, this happened and that happened and, you know, there was maybe a mishandling of medicine or maybe it, they just collapsed, you know, and you had to resuscitate them. It's important that you know that kind of stuff. If you don't have CPR treatment, I recommend that you go and get it because not just necessarily for a caretaker, these things could happen to anybody, anytime in front of you. And you want to be able to react properly. You want to make sure that you know what to do. Most people don't know what to do. And therefore, you're going to be isolated in an island of frustration where you need to go ahead and take action and get things going on because you don't want to see anybody die in front of you. I don't. And I resuscitated Terry several times uh, at the house and had to call the ambulance a couple times. But the most important thing was I had that CPR treatment as a caretaker in order to know how to do that. So anything you can do to advance your caretaker skills, I recommend you do that. Not necessarily for the person you love, although it helps. I'm saying for the general population, if, some, if, a, if something happens around you, you want to know what to do. I know I do. So, but going back to being a caretaker and Terry's story... <laughs> She didn't want the breakfast that day. We had to leave. I wheeled her out in the wheelchair to the parking lot, got her situated in the car, took the wheelchair back. And then on the way home, she said, well, why didn't we get that breakfast? And I looked at her and said, it wasn't because of me. I wanted the breakfast. It smelled like breakfast in the hospital. When you go down on the first floor where the cafeteria is, it smelled good. It smelled like bacon and sausage cooking. And possibly you could get a distinct smell of eggs. But it was it was breakfast, you know. And I think she smelled that on the way out and that triggered something different in her, but I had to crack up the certificates that we got for breakfast. So we're good for the next visit as well. There was no time limit on them. And the next time we went there and she was cussing the whole ride 
going up there because she did not want to go there. But once we got there and the procedure, or she didn't even have a procedure, it was just a simple check. And it was still breakfast time. And we went down into the lobby that time. She smelled the breakfast and said, hey, can we go ahead and have breakfast? I said, damn right, we're going to have breakfast. I have these certificates. We're going to make sure that breakfast happens for both of us. So anyway, we went and sat in the cafeteria and she complained about having to sit in a wheelchair the whole time, but she couldn't get up and stand and scoot over to the booth or whatever. So uh, I, after we left, she's actually said on the way home, I enjoyed that breakfast. And then that made me feel better, you know, because as a caretaker, you want to hear at least one little positive something every now and again. You know that you're facing the bulk of ne negativity. You just want to hear a little positive every now and again. And that was that one positive. And it led from the story with two doctor visits. We had to wait till the second doctor visit in order to get the breakfast. And it was delicious. And even she acknowledged it. So that's just a simple story about uh, caretaking. You know, you're going to face these adversities and things. And the best thing you can do is just accept that the, this person has a disease. It, but the thing that you have is a bigger heart gene. You have that bigger heart gene, which allows you to go ahead and be receptive to what they're saying. And even though you may not agree with it, you have to understand that that person is sick. They're the person who is fighting a battle, possibly for their life, you know, possibly for their uh, better quality of life that you don't know. I mean, there's several different occasions that happen. So what you have to do is stay the course. And you have to be honest with the doctors. You know, Terry wouldn't always honest with the doctors. And I would have to, once again, as the advocate, pull them aside and say, here, this is what happened. And there, that's what happened. So just so you know, um, yeah. Also, you have to be an advocate so that the doctors, when they're speaking crazy, don't say, well, we might want to put their into a mental institution. I ran into that several times. When one particular time is when we went to emergency room and she said, go ahead, cut my feet off. I can't stand the pressure on my feet. I said, and I had to pull, I had to go outside the room. I had to calm Terry down first, then go outside the room go to the doctor who was in the lounge and say, I'm sorry, you may have misinterpreted because the nurse had come in there and said, we have orders here to go ahead and send her to uh, the mental hospital. And I was like, that's not happening today. I'm not sure who you're messing with, but it's not me today. We're going to go ahead and make sure that Terry gets the proper course of treatment. It was the medicine mix up. There was a medicine mix up and we got it rectified. Uh, but anyway, I had to go tell the doctor to rescind the order. And luckily, he was receptive to me because I was, how can I say this? I could speak to doctors and speak doctors speak very well. And that's what I did. So anyway, I'm done with this story tonight. And I just want you all to know that I'm here for you. If you ever need any type of uh, personal information or whatever, I'm on Facebook. I'm at Dudamus Maximus on Facebook. Um, you guys have a great evening and I hope you've taken something from this lesson. If I could just reach out there and touch one person, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to give information who helps people who are caretakers. Thank you very much and you have a nice evening.